the sacrifices of old were shadows of the perfection that was going to happen through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only difference is that we are not doing things that are temporary anymore. Through Jesus Christ, we're going through similar steps, but they are for forgiveness of sins and for eternal life, not just to cover or atone for sins. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. We'll be talking today about the past, the present, and the future. If we understand the scriptures, there was no salvation or forgiveness of sins before Jesus' coming. God gave a temporary way of having sins atoned, but not forgiven, before all things would be fulfilled through the Lord, through His life, death, and resurrection. Once the Lord fulfilled what was necessary, we were given a genuine opportunity to have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. We need to understand the past so we can understand better our present and future, so we can do what is necessary for our own eternal good. Today's message is inspired on Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 18 to 27. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, to you be all the honor and the glory and the praise, O Lord. For yours is the kingdom and the power forever and ever. For you and you alone are Lord. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your love and your mercy. I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, O Lord, for the way that you have made through him. Heavenly Father, thank you for the genuine opportunity we have for eternal life. Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus for your forgiveness for my sins. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may always remember us in your mercy and in your grace. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you help us to understand your word, what was before, what is now, and what we need to continue doing, Lord God. Heavenly Father, to you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 18 to 27. This is the word of the Lord. And he said to me, Son of man, thus says the Lord God, These are the ordinances for the altar on the day when it is made, for sacrificing burnt offerings on it and for sprinkling blood on it. You shall give a young bull for a sin offering to the priests of the Levites who are of the seed of Zadok, who approach me to minister to me, says the Lord God. You shall take some of its blood and put it on the four horns of the altar, on the four corners of the ledge and on the rim around it. Thus you shall cleanse it and make atonement for it. And you shall also take the bowl of the sin of offering and burn it on the appointed place of the temple outside the sanctuary. On the second day, you shall offer a kid of the goats without blemish for a sin offering and they shall cleanse the altar as they cleansed it with the bull when you have finished cleansing it, you shall offer a young bull without blemish and a ram from the flock without blemish. When you offer them before the Lord, the priest shall throw salt on them and they will offer them up as a burnt offering to the Lord. Every day for seven days, you shall prepare a goat for a sin offering. They shall also prepare a young bull and a ram from the flock, both without blemish. Seven days, they shall make atonement for the altar and purify it and so consecrate it. When these days are over, it shall be, on the eighth day and thereafter, that the priest shall offer your burnt offerings and your peace offerings on the altar, and I will accept you, says the Lord God. 
In today's passage, we read the instruction God gave his people after they were brought back to the land of Israel, after they had been conquered and destroyed as a nation, renewing again the practices that involved preparing the altar and for the sacrifices that involved the atonement of sin. To give some context, God had allowed for foreign nations to utterly destroy the kingdom of Israel because they had sinned against God for a long time. And God had sent prophet after prophet, messenger after messenger, telling his people to repent and to turn away from their sins. But the people wouldn't listen. They didn't take God's warning seriously. And they took for granted his mercy, grace, and patience. They abused his patience. They never took seriously that God would finally make good in all of his warnings. And so the day came when the people of Israel had pushed God beyond his limits. And he allowed for four nations to come and not just conquer Israel, but destroy everything in it. He first allowed for the Assyrians to come and destroy the northern portion of Israel, where many were killed and their lands and buildings were destroyed. And then finally, he allowed for the Babylonians to come and destroy the land of Judah, where Jerusalem was, and many were killed also. Some were also taken captive and brought to Babylon to serve as slaves. There were only very few survivors left on the land, so they could cultivate it and give of its produce to the king of Babylon. The nation of Israel was completely devastated, and the temple destroyed, and all of its contents were brought to Babylon as spoils of war. There were no more sacrifices possible for the atonement of sins during that time, until many years had passed, and newer, more benevolent kings, whose hearts God had touched, had allowed for some of the people of Israel to come back and restore the temple and the city of Jerusalem. When the temple was rebuilt again, God had renewed the sacrifices for the atonement of sin, and this is where we arrive again at today's passage. Before the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth, this was the way that the people that believed in God could have their sins atoned for, because there was no forgiveness of sins before the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word for atonement in ancient Hebrew, or kofar, meant to cover. So these sacrifices made with innocent and unblemished animals could only provide a covering or a way to keep their sins from being seen by God. But the sin was still there. The sin was not removed or cleaned or washed away. The blood of innocent animals was only a temporary fix, if you will. If we look at this further, we will see that the practice God had instilled before was a foreshadowing of what needs to happen in the life of every person after Jesus Christ established a new covenant, a new way to not just cover sins, but to wash them away, to take away any and all spiritual penalty. The first thing we can see in this passage is that there needed to be a special place for all of these sacrifices to happen, a temple. It couldn't be done just anywhere. And God had provided a specific design for this temple. And within this temple, there was an altar for it that had a specific design as well where the sacrifices needed to be made. And this altar needed to be prepared with sacrifices so that the atonement for the altar could be made, so it could be consecrated appropriately. Then and only then could peace offerings be made to God by the priests on behalf of the people. There is certainly much more to these practices that needed to take place, but this in general is what needed to happen. And so there needed to be a specifically designed place or building where the sacrifices needed to be made. 
There needed to be a specifically designed altar where the sacrifices needed to be made. There needed to be a specific preparation done for this altar so it could be used for peace offerings. And of course, peace offerings needed to be made so that the sins of the people could be atoned for or covered. That was then and the best they could have back then. And so what happened that changed things and what needs to happen now, today? For starters, God himself through the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, was born into this world, into the physical realm, and took upon himself our form, a physical form, so he could become the most holy and perfect sacrifice for our sins. We need to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ was sinless. He was perfect. He never did anything wrong. So his sacrifice on the cross had nothing to do with him paying for anything for himself. The Bible mentions that there is life in the blood. So the only way sin can be dealt with is through blood. Sin produces death. To deal with sin or death, life is necessary. That's why sacrifices that contain blood were necessary. This is what Leviticus chapter 17 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your sins, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And so Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross so our sins could be washed away, cleansed for all eternity. His blood, divine and perfect blood, was what we needed so our sins, past, present, and future, could be washed away. God the Son had to die on the cross so that forgiveness or washing away of sins could be applied to those before Christ, starting with Adam and Eve and extend all the way into the future and into infinity or eternity. The blood that was shed for us had to be the blood of God, an eternal being, so that our forgiveness could also be eternal, just as he is eternal. These are the mechanics, if you will, that occurred when Jesus Christ died on the cross, thereby establishing a new covenant with man. And we always need to keep in mind that all of this was done without any obligation. Eternal life through Jesus Christ is an opportunity made possible by God only by grace. It's a gift. It's not a right. God never owed us anything. He didn't owe mankind a way for sin atonement before the Lord died on the cross. And just as certainly, he did not owe us the sacrifice of his only begotten son on the cross at Calvary. And so what are the parallels from then to now that need to take place in the life of people so that the forgiveness of sins can in fact happen? The place now is in us. God says that he does not want temples made by man. We are to become that specific place inside of us. We need to be that temple. And within that temple, the altar needs to be our heart or the center of our being. And the preparation for that altar or our heart needs to be full and complete repentance. That is what prepares the way so that Jesus Christ can come into a person's life. Without that preparation, there can be no salvation. This concept that many believers have that all you need to do is just believe in Jesus and you will be saved is not right. It is incomplete. There must be complete and total repentance of sins first and foremost. That was the whole reason for John the Baptist's ministry. That did not go away with the cross. That's the preparation for the altar of our heart, if you will. The word says this in Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. 
the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. In Acts chapter 3, we're also told this, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so repentance and conversion from all sin, not just some, is a requirement for salvation so that our sins can effectively be forgiven through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why God used baptism or full immersion in water to symbolize what needs to happen in our hearts. When a person submerges themselves in water, they are completely immersed and their whole and entire body is wet from head to toe. This signifies something that is not piecemeal, but rather entirely, completely, and fully. So there can be no reservations with repentance and conversion. We can't be repentant only about a few things in our life. It must be complete 100% repentance. I can't stress this enough. This is what keeps many people from entering the kingdom of God. This lack of complete repentance, this issue where they are not repentant of everything they have done wrong. After this complete repentance and conversion, this preparing of the altar, then peace offerings can be made. And what does that start with? The very first thing is establishing the first sacrifice for peace. When we surrender our lives completely and fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to make Jesus Christ the effective and literal Lord of our lives if we want to attain salvation. This is what Romans chapter 10 says. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is something that is essential and necessary in order to be born again, that Jesus Christ must be acknowledged and accepted as Lord. He cannot be accepted just as a savior. He is our savior, but the condition that we must accept him in should be as Lord according to this passage. Why? Because if a person accepts Christ only as savior, that means that they're only accepting the service he did for them. When we obey God and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives, we are accepting him and surrendering to his leadership, to his command, to doing his will and not ours. You see, God is not here to serve us. We need to do as he tells us to do and for very practical reasons. We need to do the will of the Father so we can enter the kingdom of heaven. For it is written, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Doing the Father's will is the main condition that we need to meet so we could be allowed to enter his eternal kingdom. And we don't know what that is on our own. 
And we cannot do it on our own either. We need the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives so the Holy Spirit can effectively enter our heart and lead and guide us to all truth, just as it is written. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. And this leads us into the parallel relating to the continual offerings that Israel was taught to do back then and what applies now. Our salvation does not just consist of that moment of surrendering our lives to Christ and accepting Him as Lord. We need to seek to do His will and live out that faith continually. We need to abide and remain in Him. It is necessary to live under continual subjection to Him, to His will. When we come to Christ and are born again in Him, that is literally what is happening. We are starting something completely new, but it's only a beginning. We need to travel the path. We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to do His will until our end. We need to do good works. That's when the good works come into play. We are not saved by good works because we cannot enter heaven on our own merits. But the whole reason for why we are saved is for good works, to do the Father's will. And if a person does not fulfill the purpose for which they were saved, then they will not enter his kingdom. Why? Because they are useless to the kingdom. We were created, made, and now saved through the Lord Jesus Christ so we can serve God. That's the purpose of our existence. That's the reason for our lives. That's the why for our existence. For it is written, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And it is also written, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And this takes us to our future and what will happen later and why it is so critical to do as he tells us to do. There is a day coming that we do not know when it will be exactly. The day of the Lord is coming at some point in the future. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the scriptures say, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. There is a certain end that is coming, and the time is not known. And after every person has come to their end, there is an incredible judgment that will take place where every single person will give an account for all of their actions, everyone that has ever existed. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment this judgment of the entire human race will be like nothing that has ever existed before. And this is what we must be ready for through the Lord Jesus Christ, doing His will continually, living out the purpose of our lives, because we will be judged based on our actions, especially His people. The book of Revelations chapter 20 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and Him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And the word continues saying in Revelations 21, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is why it is so important to do God's will with our lives. We cannot dedicate ourselves to just fulfilling our own sinful desires. We need to do His will. We cannot continue living a life of sin. Some might say, I don't do bad things with my life. And that may be true from a certain perspective that the things you're looking to fulfill may not be bad within themselves. But if your desires go ahead of God's will for your life, you are committing the sin of idolatry. Everything that is put ahead of God is idolatry. If you put your needs first, your desires, your family, your career, whatever it is, first and ahead of God, that is idolatry. God needs to be in first place. God needs to be consulted first. God is the one that needs to tell you what you should be doing through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, even if they are good ideas or things that are not bad within themselves, you are still committing idolatry. And we just read that the idolaters will have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone. We need to be very careful because it is very easy to fall into that trap. This is the counsel that the word of God gives those that follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says, Therefore we make it our aim, and this is the Apostle Paul that is saying this, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so if the Apostle Paul said this about himself, that he made it his aim to be pleasing to the Lord and that he was going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and that he was going to receive the things done during his time here, whether they were good or bad, what do you think is left for us? You see, we must be about our Father's business. We need to seek to do His will. We need to take our direction from Him. We are not here, or least of all, saved to do our will. Here is where many believers get it wrong. They think that God is there to serve them and for Him to see to it that they get their wishes and desires and so on, but that is all wrong. That is a path straight to the lake of fire because that ideology leads to idolatry. Just like the offerings of old, we must offer to the Lord continual offerings and they must be exactly as He prescribed them. When we do His will, we're offering to Him exactly what He wants from us. It can't be our ideas. Everything must be under His leadership and guidance. Let's look at what the Lord Himself said about this. In Matthew it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, isn't prophesying or preaching his will? Isn't casting out demons his will? And what about doing wonders or miracles? Of course they are his will, but we must do everything in accordance to his direction and more importantly, for his honor and glory. That's the exactitude that needs to be in what we offer to the Lord. There can be no other reason for doing what we do with our lives other than to love the Lord with everything we are. That always needs to be the why we do what we do. Those are the good works that we need to offer to the Lord. That is true worship. Doing his will is the worship we need to offer our Lord until we breathe our last breath, until our heart stops beating, until our time is finished here and now so we can stand confidently through the Lord Jesus Christ when our time comes to stand before his judgment. And so the sacrifices of old were shadows of the perfection that was going to happen through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only difference is that we are not doing things that are temporary anymore. Through Jesus Christ, we're going through similar steps, but they are for forgiveness of sins and for eternal life, not just to cover or atone for sins. For the Lord himself said it, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And so we continue practicing what is necessary from before, but now through the person of Jesus Christ, because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him. The importance of looking at the past looking at how things were before the forgiveness of sins was possible is very important because it helps us understand what we need to do now. And of course, so we can value what we have now through the Lord Jesus Christ. Before Jesus Christ and through the animal sacrifices of old, there was still no salvation. People before did not have the opportunity to be with the Lord. The Bible talks about a place called Abraham's bosom which was a compartment in hell that was reserved for those that followed the Lord before the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so everyone went to hell before, but just to a different place within hell. Abraham's bosom was like a paradise that was isolated away from the darkness and horror of hell itself. David spoke about this place and mentioned it as Sheol, but when the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, shed his blood, and was raised at the third day, he rose and brought with him all of those that were in Abraham's bosom, or Sheol, to heaven. Why? Because his blood washes away sin. He made a clear path for mankind to finally have access to God by having our sins washed away. We have genuine salvation through him, through his love and grace. We have a true opportunity to attain eternal life and eternal reward through Jesus Christ. When a person understands what God did through Jesus Christ by giving us something so great without deserving it, how can we not be compelled to live for Him? How can we not realize that our purpose to serve Him makes all of the sense in the world? In eternity is not enough to thank Him and to live for Him because our destiny before Him was to be lost forever. We have an eternal hope through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have everything to gain and nothing to lose through him. 
but we need to repent and convert from all of our sins. We need to treat him as the Lord and God he is. We need to do as he tells us to do through his word and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need to overcome this world and any temptation Satan can put in our way. For it is written, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. I urge you that if you have not yet come to Christ, to do so by repenting and converting from all of your sins and by accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord and God he is so you can begin your journey to eternal life to gain those things that God has prepared for those that love him and honor him. Live for the Lord Jesus Christ so you can live forever. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, O God, for your love and your mercy and your grace. I can't thank you enough, Lord. I give you thanks, Heavenly Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, O Lord, for his sacrifice. I give you thanks, O Lord, for his death and for his resurrection. Because through that is that we have an eternal hope. Heavenly Father, help us to understand what was before so we can take that and treasure it. And Lord, so we can value that much more what we have now through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to understand what we need to continue to do. Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone that might be listening right now that they have yet to make that decision of surrendering their lives to you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they may do so, that they might repent and convert from all of their sins, and that they might accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of their lives. Heavenly Father, and for those of us that have believed, and have surrendered our lives. Help us to abide and remain faithful, Lord God, until we see you face to face one day and that we might be able to stand firm on Jesus Christ before you, knowing that we have done your will on earth. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.